In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Please be seated. As Susan was saying at the beginning of the service, tomorrow concludes the season of creation, a worldwide ecumenical movement begun by the Orthodox Church and expanded to include the World Council of Churches, which includes us, the Anglican Communion, the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, among many others. During this annual celebration, we join with Christians across the globe to pray, protect, and advocate for all of God's creation as we appreciate the unique place and role that each one of us has among God's creation. Though the season of creation is an ecumenical season sponsored by the Christian church, just yesterday I was visiting with my father and stepmother, both of whom are Jewish, and we were talking about my sermon, and they shared that they are also entering a time of creation care too. This week, our Jewish siblings return to the beginning of the Torah for their lectionary cycle, to the creation stories found in Genesis. And while we're not reading Genesis today, our readings are deeply filled with images of creation and our divine creator. They remind us of our own responsibilities as the members of the divine creation. This year, the theme for the season of creation is a home for all, renewing the oikos of God. Oikos is the Greek word for home or household. Interestingly, oikos is also the root word, the root of the word ecumenical, economy, and ecology. I personally find this fascinating, perhaps that's the English major in me, that the sharing of that root word of home in these words reminds us that our own human identity is part of a deep, interwoven web inside the home, the oikos of God. A home created by the most wonderful designer with intentionality relationality, and most importantly, a whole lot of love. In our psalm this morning, the psalmist reminds us God is the maker of both heaven and earth. Using day and night imagery, the psalmist calls directly on the creation story and the role the creator has in all creation. If you can recall from the creation stories, God made order out of chaos and gave each being their own place to fill the dome that is God's world, God's home. The psalmist reminds us that God has total dominion over creation. But more importantly, God is present and watching over all of us, all of God's creatures. Notice that I said God has total dominion over creation. 
I intentionally use this language because I think sometimes we get hung up on the part of a creation story that makes us think as humans, we are completely in charge of creation. God told us we'd have dominion over all the fish of the sea, birds, cattle, etc. But to assume that we are in control of them is to push the creator out of the picture. And as our psalmist tells us, this is not at all how our God works. In the second of the creation accounts in Genesis, Adam is created merely to be the gardener of God's divine creation. That's the role of Adam and humanity, to be stewards and maintain God's home, which we are blessed to be a part of. In other words, it's God's world, and we're all just living in it. Today, in our reading from the Old Testament, God gently reminds Job of this reality. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Job, Job is a pious and prosperous man who goes through a really, really tough time and loses everything close to him. He doesn't understand why he is facing so much suffering, and he turns to God to ask that classic question, why do bad things happen to good people? Our reading picks up near the end of the book when Job is reaching the pit of his despair and loneliness. God intervenes to help Job see that God is actively involved in the life of all creation. God hasn't abandoned Job. God is involved in the cycles of life for the mountain goats. And God is involved in the cycles of suffering and joy for God's human creation. God provides a home for the wild animals, even in places that others find inhabitable. By sharing these stories of the animals and their relationship to God, God is helping Joe move from an egocentric place to one that recognizes that he is part of God's interwoven web. And this interaction is a reminder of the need to constantly decentralize ourselves and recognize that we are part of the ecology of God. Divinely created, we share the responsibility to see that we are not the only ones divinely created. Our actions and decisions, good or bad, intended or accidental, ignite a chain of reactions for the entire home of God. Our minor choices, such as our energy consumption or frequent use of idling vehicles here in Pensacola, Florida, has global consequences. Did you know that idling your car for just 10 minutes can result in one whole pound of CO2 emissions? Think about how much you idle in your car on any day. Our home is an interwoven web, and our divine creator planned it this way. Decentralizing ourselves is tough. 
in the United States, we embrace our freedom and our independence, which more recently has developed into a rise of individuality in thinking primarily about the needs of the self. This season of creation invites us to step back and examine our role and responsibility as members of God's household. And the season concludes on a fitting day, October 4th, the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi. You might be thinking, St. Francis, that's the guy with animals. You're right. But St. Francis was much more than a guy with the animals. He was a saint who truly left an egocentric lifestyle to one centered on God. Francis was born into a merchant class family. His father sold fur, which meant they had a lot of money. Francis enjoyed the finer things of life. He enjoyed partying. He was maybe even an influencer of his day. His friends nicknamed him the king because he was in control of his life, or so he thought. After the war, he received a vision and a call from God to go fix the church. And so Francis immediately went home, grabbed some of his dad's fur, and sold it for money to fix the church. His father was less than thrilled, and he immediately renounced Francis. So Francis responded by renouncing his family and the wealth that he'd inherit, and said instead he'd marry Lady Poverty. The church adopted Francis, and later he would hear a scripture reading about giving up all your possessions and following Christ. So he did just that. He carried his cross with nothing left to his name, not even clothes. Really, the Pope had to give him a cloak because he stripped off all of his clothes. But he continued to do the things no one else would dare to do. He kissed the lepers, even though they were unclean. He fed the poor. He himself lived off the scraps of food he found in the trash, all because of a love for God. Francis fully ordered his life around Christ and his responsibility to God at the expense of losing family, friends, wealth. Extreme as it may be, scholars assert that Francis might be the only saint who literally lived out every single one of Jesus' teachings. Francis was able to do this only when he realized that he was part of something bigger than himself. When he realized he belonged to God's entire created order, his choices affected other creatures and creation when he finally accepted and understood that he was part of God's web and God's home, he gave up his former life and found a new one in Christ. So now maybe you're thinking, well, how did Francis become associated with animals? Why are we having a pet blessing tomorrow? 
legends share that Francis preached a sermon and only the birds stayed to listen. Another one is that he talked and calmed down a wolf that was threatening an entire village. But remember, Francis was way more than just an animal whisperer. Francis valued all of creation, including the wild animals, which is a big deal because he thrived during his childhood and young adult years at the expense of wild animals. Remember, his dad sold fur. He valued creation because Francis understood that his same creator created them too. They belonged in the same home, their kin. These last nearly two years have shown us firsthand how closely the home of God is connected and the ways our actions can and will affect every member of the household of God. This is how God ordered creation to live and depend on one another and to depend on God. On today's bulletin cover, you'll find a mosaic portrait of Francis with some of creation. I chose this picture particularly because it reminds me that I and all of us here are just a single mosaic piece in the divine's beautiful creation. It helps me as Job and St. Francis did, to properly order myself among the entire piece of art, using this as a motivation to decenter myself. I'm not, nor will I ever be Francis or a Franciscan and able to do all the things he did. He, after all, was an extreme saint. But there still are some things I can do to consider how my lifestyle affects the other members of God's home. Right now, I'm thinking about all the stuff I've accumulated in my 30 years of living. It's quite a lot, and how I might get rid of some of that. I've also been thinking that in Connecticut, I rode my bike a lot. But since being in Pensacola for the last three months, my bike has not touched the asphalt once. Francis and our season of creation also are a much needed reminder that we don't care for God's home for the economic or social gains. Francis didn't get anything out of this. Instead, he lost it all and found it all in God. We need to do this out of a love and a desire for God, the same one who created us, adopted us, redeemed us, and sustains us, our God who gave us a home. Let us do our part to make our home one where God's goodness is enough, justice and love are abundant, and all the divine's creation are thriving. Amen.